Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to a brand new episode of the Hollowdale Media Podcast. Wow, is the heat getting to you? Yes, I've turned into a Dalek. Oh no, it's very hot. It's very, it is very, very warm. All of a sudden as well. I feel like I haven't worn shorts for a long time. It's now summer. I, I don't feel like I've even been outside this year. I feel like normally we go and sit on the big hill near our, where we live. And I haven't melted in the sun yet. I feel like actually if we went out on the hill now, we wouldn't well, stay long. Yeah, it's, it's too hot. It'd be awful. Yeah. <laughs> There's no... Last year we were going for frisbee sessions. Yeah. So it's a bit different then. We were yeah. desperate to get out of the house then. Now nothing matters. Now it just <laughs> it's beat us. Uh, but yeah, have you been watching anything? Um, I a couple of things I'm going to be re-reviewing, but not much else. Started watching a couple of fantasy stuff. Yeah. We watched uh, Beastmaster last night. 1982. Really, really good. We enjoyed it more than the film we're going to review. I always knew. I always knew that Beastmaster was a cult classic, but I never knew that it was also good. Yeah, it was like really genuinely enjoyable. Like we. We were proper into it. There was, there was like probably there was two scenes when we went, oh, you can't do that anymore. Yeah, no, yeah, um, yeah. But don't do that, Dev Stalker. Yeah, and then a very, very suspicious look between <laughs> the, the guide and the the a guide comes in and he's like looking after a little boy and the, he's like, what, what do you guys do? And then there's a sketchy look between look them. Really suspicious. Yeah, uh, we're pilgrims. Mm. Mm. I, yeah. I, we were just wandering and we got lost in this lingerie department. <laughs> it was very, very awkward. But by the end, we were cheering at the same things. Oh, yeah, it's great. Oh, man. Um, watch Beastmaster, it's great. Watch Beastmaster and you're in for a, with the, uh, the, the polecats, ferrets, whatever they were. You're in for a roller coaster of emotion. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm sure everyone probably knows it. We're probably really far behind the... The curve know, on this yeah, one. maybe, maybe. I don't know. Oh man, it's all good though. What about you? Have you been watching anything? Um, I I've been watching Black Summer, which is like the Netflix is I guess you could call it their answer to The Walking Dead, or you couldn't. You could just call it a TV show about zombies. Um, but it's 28 Days Later zombies. It's mad screaming zombies. Did you um, tell us about this last time? Did I or did I talk about it on Night Shift? Oh maybe. How long have I been watching it? How long has it been? Maybe I did. I, I, won't talk I feel like it's come up somewhere. You're right. Black Summer good, in okay, case I've yeah, already right, spoken good. about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, today today's Pokemon Go weekend. Ugh. Five five uh, years anniversary of Pokemon Go. So that you, you must be so proud. I spent five pounds on the app. What? In the whole time? In five years? No, just now. Oh, you, have to, you have to buy a ticket and then you get all the rare ones for so I've been completely and utterly sold down the river. I've been hoodwinked. <laughs> Have yeah. you got any rare ones? Uh, yeah, so many. But, you know, so is everyone else who's sucking. Well, yes, that feels like it's cheating. It's yeah. like playing those phone games where you're collecting things. Oh, you buy a fiver. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but that, that's, all, that's, that's fun. Not so fun. Like, something really, really crap happened oh no like, or has happened oh like, no no it's bad but bad it's not even funny oh bad. no it's no 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 so no. so you know how much i love blink 182 right like their bait but like mark hoppus has got stage four cancer oh no yeah and it's like it's i i don't know how to feel but it's, it's really weird because like he's i don't know how to explain it with a band when you've got like a favorite band in your life who like prob- probably changed your life a bit there's always someone who's got one 
I can't think of another person in the world who I don't know who's probably influenced me more in my life. Like it's crazy when I when I thought about it and it hit me a bit hard. I was like, man. damn, I, I hope he's okay. Like, cause it's it's horrible. Mm. It's very hard to to process that. Like, it's beyond the idea of of having a hero. It's like this guy kind of changed my life, and he's and he's like, I, well, what what he said on uh, the internet what I read the other day is he's he's having like a chemo session. He's getting, having a checkup today where they tell him whether it's going to go into where his cancer is going to go. Or if they tell him they're going to have to look at other options like a bone marrow transplant and stuff. And he's had the chemo and he's fully bald. And I was like, oh my God, my childhood hero is like, he's going through it, man. Well, I'm glad we're keeping it so light at the top of the show. I don't know. I just, I just wanted to talk about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It was just horrible. It was just, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just, in, in, I'm sending all of my love and happiness and encouragement and hope to him. Mm. I just wanted to say it. You'll have to bless your have your tattoo blessed i will have to have my terrible terrible blink 182 tattoo blessed my oh. the worst tattoo ever ever made you were happy about it going in i remember and then coming out well it looks like it's drawn on the biro yeah yeah get it redone I mean, yeah it colored, i will, I, will. I, I mean it's so awful i mean there's there's <laughs> been times when uh i don't know like a, a girl's seen it for the first time and they've gone oh my god or, is it that? It's or not they've that just, bad. Or they burst out laughing. Like, oh, yeah, but that's because it's I literally, Blink-102. I literally, a girl saw it for the first time once, and I said, "You're laughing at my Blink One Two tattoo." And she said, "Yeah." And I was like, "You better hope that's what she was laughing at." <laughs> that came later. <laughs> that was, it was a big, it was a big night of comedy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I don't know. Yeah, I hope he's good. Um, but back on to cooler stuff. Uh, we've reviewed an iconic movie that everyone loves, but maybe if they watch it again, they might not. But well, you're talking about Verotia. No, that yeah. was... Uh... Last time we watched Verotia, the best film ever made. Yeah. Should I, should I do the link now? Yeah, give us should the link. Should I do the link now? While Rob loads that up, I've just uh, one other thing. Uh, say hello to Cupid. Oh, right. Well, I'm the love guru. Who have you fallen in I've been. I was asked to provide spooky films uh, for someone we know's date night the other day. Oh. I provided said films. And it went very well. Did they do a little? Did they? Did they do a? Did they? Did a gentleman did, never tells. A, gent- a gentleman never asks. Oh, could but, you potentially be putting him in trouble by saying this? On well, the- I'm not saying who it is. Okay. But I would say that my pick of Leprechaun in the Hood might be one of the best date night films anyone should ever ask for. Oh, and I can see you paid 50 pence for that. I did, and that was too much. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Leprechaun into Hood for all your love needs. Oh, wow. That, that makes sense, I suppose? Watching a creepy green leprechaun tormenting people? And... Yeah, yeah, and okay. he's in the hood doing no good. I mean, I'm already aroused. Anyway, I'm sorry. Um, so, last week we watched Verotica. Yes. We watched Verotica. Verotica is a disastrous anthology film created by Glenn Danzig, who was in The Misfits. Night of the Living Dead was the fourth single released by The Misfits, and also the title of some movie directed by George A. Romero in 1968. Romero is also famous for partnering with special effects maestro Tom Savini, who starred in From Dust Till Dawn, alongside Quentin Tarantino. About 13 years later, Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards was released, which stars Michael Fassbender as the dashing, fearless Lieutenant Archie Hycox. 
Fassbender also happens to play a ripped Chippendale Magic Mike Glory Hunk Spartan in the movie 300. And 300 happens to be today's movie. Hmm, very good. I haven't seen 300 since the cinema. Apart from here and there, little clips or whatever. Uh, yeah, I remember loving it. And now... We'll talk about that shortly. Okay. Let's get on with the show. Film reviews. Black Widow 2021-ish. You don't know everything about me. I've lived a lot of lives. Before I was an Avenger. Before I got this family. I made mistakes. Choosing between what the world wants you to be. And who you are. We have to go back to where it all started. Where did you think I was all this time? We have unfinished business. My girls are the toughest girls in the world. I'm sorry. We had our orders and we played our roles. It wasn't real. It was real to me. Marking the 24th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the first in the so-called Phase 4 in the MCU, Black Widow is a spotlight film focusing on Natasha Romanoff, a Black Widow assassin played by Scarlett Johansson who ultimately ended up joining the Avengers, and her unfinished business with her former employer. Directed by Kate Shortland and written by Eric Pearson, Black Widow has been delayed multiple times in the last year and has managed to absolutely smash the box office since its release, marking it as the sip highest grossing film in 2021. But who the hell cares? That's like saying everyone loved the beef without also saying that the chicken was riddled with flesh-eating bacteria. But anyway, Black Widow. Kicking off in the mid-90s, the film opens with a surprisingly down-to-earth opener, when Natasha, still a child, and her pretend sister Yelena Belova pose as the children of Russian agents Alexei Shostakov, played by the wonderful David Harbour, and Melina Vostokov, played by Rachel Weisz. Posing as an all-American family, the unit is there for one reason, to steal S.H.I.E.L.D. intelligence. After their cover is blown, the family make a quick and genuinely quite impressive exit via plane and arrive in Cuba, where Alexei is debriefed and his surrogate daughters are drugged and return to the Red Room to complete their Black Widow training. Cue a dark and twisted intro sequence straight out of a spy thriller. Many years later, we catch up with Yelena Belova, now played by Florence Pugh. A trained assassin and skilled Black Widow in her own right, Belova is every part the trained assassin. But after a bloodless duel with a rogue widow, Belova is poisoned by a mysterious gas which appears to break her programming, allowing her the ability to think for herself. And then 
goes rogue, but not before grabbing what's left of the mysterious chemical. Now fast forward to the events of Captain America's Civil War and we catch up with Natasha, who goes on the run following a breach of the Sokova Accords to a Norwegian safe house where she fully intends to keep her head down and wait for everything to blow over. That is, until she's tracked down by a mysterious figure dressed like an action figure from the 90s, the so-called Taskmaster. Capable of mimicking its targets every move, Natasha is no match for the henchman, but soon realises she isn't the target. Instead, the Taskmaster appears to be going after the package in her car. The very package she was unknowingly sent by her long-lost not-sister. Ooh, plot. Escaping the Taskmaster, Natasha makes her way to Budapest to confront Belova, and the two hit it off after, you know, hitting each other for a bit first. At this point, I have to say, I was having a great time. At this point in the movie, bar a quick fling with the Taskmaster, Black Widow was shaped to be a solid action thriller, and hopefully one that might argue the Cold War spy thriller that was the Winter Soldier. However, things quickly begin to unravel. Learning that her former employer is still alive and active despite her assassination attempt, Natasha decides to go after the so-called Red Room with Belova in tow. Their first point of call? To break out their former father figure, Alexei Shostakov from prison. Now, Alexei is a wonderful character. Genetically built as a Soviet opposite to Captain America, Alexei was THE Red Guardian. Unfortunately, when the decision was made to develop the Black Widows instead, he was dropped and imprisoned, kept far from where he would be able to cause any trouble. Now, played by David Harbour, Alexei is a wonderful blend of face-punching action and lovable dumbness, and ultimately, he stole the show. So too did Florence Pugh as Belova. In fact, the scenes where the two of them were interacting together were wonderful, with some solid emotional character development that was far at odds, the horrific CGI sequences that may as well have been animated to be included in Space Jam or Who Framed Roger Rabbit. They looked atrocious. Weirdly, I saw a lot of praise for this film online before I wrote this review, but honestly, why? Scarlett Johansson, or probably more fairly her character, is just monotone action girl. There's no character, there's nothing to deal with, by the time she's taken a sip rib crunching fall without so much as a bruise, I had checked out. Remove the action sequences or give us consequences for falling a hundred thousand feet, one or the other. And that's not to mention all the weird like references and points made early on in the film that just go nowhere. Alexa even mentions that if he dealt with Captain America now, he would have a strategy to deal with the shield. Later on when he deals with Taskmaster who has a shield, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't do the thing he talked about. So in summary, action sequences boring, character stuff good. Florence Pugh and David Harbour brilliant. Boring, pointless film without them. Got all that? Great. Skip it. Maybe watch Loki. Apparently that's pretty good. Welcome to Fortnite Schmortnite. Bill Murray is set to join Tilda Swinton in another Wes Anderson movie. Variety has reported that Murray will star in the director's next untitled movie that will be set in Spain. Swinton will also be in a movie. She was also in The French Dispatch. The most Wes Anderson movie title ever, which also just showcased at Cannes Film Festival. The new Spain set film was originally to be shot in Rome before plans changed. Sets have reportedly already gone up in Chinchon, a small town near Madrid. Um, that sounded made up. I know. Chinchon. Did the whole thing sound made up? That, that did sound made up. Well, Chinchon. Chinchon. That also sounds horrifically offensive. It does sound very offensive. Um, <laughs> Silly Wes Anderson, why have you chosen these things? <laughs> There's lots of... Wes Anderson is just pumping 
at the moment. Is he? He's because he's just pumping, pumping, pumping. Oh, it's been a long year, isn't he's it? Love pumping. He's uh, well, because he's got the the French Dispatch, which I'm looking forward to see. And then he's got this. Uh, I uh, I'm 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 happy. I want more more Wes Anderson. I want Owen Wilson back in Wes Anderson. I know uh, he Owen Wilson is quite in vogue at the moment because he was in um, the Loki. Yes, but he wasn't playing Owen Wilson, was he? He like avoided all the. Uh, well, he he didn't go wow, but he did he did say things like oh, I like it, I should probably. Oh, okay, fine. He's, he's de- he has all of the Owen Ma- Wilson mannerisms in it, apart like, from that. But they right. just kind of toned down a bit. Yeah. Okay. I, all right. I struggle to find a, think of any man whose face and voice and every his entire essence I am completely besotted with. He's he's such a wonderful creature. I'll, All right. I want him. Well, I want your, him to your join. membership to the Bruce Campbell fan club's been revoked. Well, sir. I don't care because I know I, Bruce Campbell's a different kettle of fish. He's a hardened, grizzly, He's a god. charming god. Yeah, yes. But Owen Wilson is this. <laughs> Owen Wilson is like breathing in a meadow. He's just so wonderful. And I love. Him. Are you feeling okay today? No, I love what I You've love. You've got some strange energy going on. I love Owen Wilson, and I always will. This is what happens when you watch Three Hundred as a grown man. <laughs> it's just had the opposite effect. <laughs> it did not make me full of testosterone as I thought. <laughs> I'm just dreamily staring into the clouds, thinking of Owen Wilson. Anyway, wow. moving on. Uh, moving on. Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage, Nicholas Cage, Nicholas Cage. What a beautiful man Nicholas Cage is. Isn't he wonderful, Adam? Is this not your whole news? Uh, isn't Nicholas Cage the most wonderful man? Yes, I suppose he is. Yes. Well, he's just explained why he doesn't see himself returning to Hollywood and he's all indie now. Okay. So his most recent film, Pig, <laughs> will be. <laughs> His most recent film, Pig, will be released in theatres on July the 16th. Stateside, I believe that is. Um, so, Nicolas Cage plays Rob, who is a man wandering in the wilderness in Oregon. But when his foraging pig is kidnapped by unknown assailants, <laughs> <laughs> he must... <laughs> yeah, carry on. <laughs> he must return back to Portland and face his past... Yep. In order to search for his stolen pig. The film and Cage have both received high critical praise. Uh, has it? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, I wonder if we can get... I wonder if we can get Nicolas Cage. Can we get Nicolas Cage? Maybe we could. Because, right, the most weird... Just leave him on top of the hill with a camera. Would you, like, completely... Um, Dissect and destroy everything you've thought up about the Quagga's feature length to make it all about Nicholas Cage it a Nicholas Cage. <laughs> for, him to, for him to be in it. Would yeah. You, would you sell out? Yeah. Good. I'm glad that you. I'm glad you said that because I've got him on the phone right. They um, quagged my face off. Ah, <laughs> oh, I've had it with these goddamn quaggers. <laughs> Um, yeah, so he said, I do feel like I've gone into my own wilderness and what I've left the small town that is Hollywood. I don't know exactly why Rob left his stardom. It's never fully explained. Oh, I don't like try and be movie. deep. But, but as for me, I don't know if I want to go back. I don't know if I want to go and make another Disney movie. It would be terrifying. It's a whole different climate. So yeah, I, I think he, uh, I think he's just going to be making these indie films, which I'm so happy with. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's 
the best since news. Mandy. Was it since Mandy? Was there any before um, this new reign of terror in the indie film circuit started? There was, but yeah, there was pre pre Mandy. There was one. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. Uh, just just keep on going the Christmas. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um Fangoria has announced its first movie. Oh yes, Fangoria Studios. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, iconic horror publication Fangoria will now be producing movies. Uh, it's produced a new horror film called Sitora, their first ever movie, which is quite surprising. Um so this is from MovieWeb. Pearly announcement Sitora is set in the rural fringes of a rapidly expanding expanding urban sprawl. Production will focus on practical effects and real village locations. Fangoria promises the movie will be sweaty, kinetic, feral, and, like a tiger, wildly unpredictable. The story centers on a tyrannical shaman who peddles the threat of a supernatural half-man, half-tiger as a means of preserving his feudal control. It unravels current events in an unsuspecting setting, forcing us to examine some of our thorniest issues with a fresh perspective. Mmm, okay. It's, It's... it's, uh, Why does it sound like a student? It's made with like a deeper uh, un- like knowledge of film in mind because the bit below it said the project takes its inspiration from a lost Malaysian horror movie from 1964 entitled Sitora Harim... Hari- yeah. It, it sounds is, like the most hipster thing I've ever it's heard. It's written and directed by Malaysian... It's like or- a tiger yeah, it's- sweating and leaping around. Written and directed by Malaysian auteur. Oh, God. P. Ram Lee, and was shown at least once on radio television in Malaysia. It is rumoured the movie was... Oh, okay, so this... This is the original they're talking about. It's rumoured that the movie was destroyed in a flood. So it's a nod to this movie that's been destroyed and they can't watch the original? I don't know. It sounds like they are trying to be very highfalutin. They're trying to be A24, I bet. Oh, yeah. I bet. Whereas Shudder, arguably, is doing, just playing it safe, but also is making fun stuff. Mm. Shudder exclusives will tend to be like, uh, silly, campy. I suppose if they went the other way, if they went silly and campy, people would be a bit like, well, that's not very in true, tone true. of your magazine. But Fangoria is not particularly highfalutin, though, is it? No, I guess not. I don't know, maybe, the, yeah, somewhere in the middle. Maybe just make a straight uh, dark horror, like... Uh... Well, well, I'm still very interested. I mean, Fangoria Studios, that appeared out of nowhere. Mm. My Twitter went on fire when that yeah. announced. Yeah. All, all the, like, old names as well, like Barbara Crampton, they're all uh, like, oh, this is, this is really amazing. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Well, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll watch it. Uh, Chucky, 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 Chucky. Ah, Jesus speaking of come out from Chucky. Speaking of Fangoria, uh, Seed of Chucky, he he has a he provides has a, copy, a sample uh, while reading Fangoria. Of course he does. <laughs> yes, sorry, go. Well, the uh, the teaser has just come out for the trailer, which will be out in a couple of days' time. Um, yeah, so the the series itself. Yeah, so this sorry, this is for the TV series. So this is coming out October twelfth. So this this Halloween's gonna be really good. It's got like this Chucky series. Three days after that, I'm pretty sure it's the 15th. Halloween Kills comes out. Oh, so this is this is a good year for Halloween. Yeah, a very good year for Halloween. So I'm looking forward to that. Yes, indeed. Um, yes, Chucky going back to the roots, the old fashioned Brad Dorf Chucky. Yeah, he heard his laugh at the end of the teaser, and Rob just went yes. Yeah, That's very, very happy, but yeah, much better. Back although, I, although I did like the new one. I like the new one as well, it was good. It's not a Chucky film. 
No. As a Black Mirror episode, it's fuck, it's flipping cool. Yeah, but it's not. But it's not. It's not the Chucky we know and love. It's not Brad Dorf. Absolutely cool. Anyway, so concludes Horton Schmortengold. Yes. himself, taught never to retreat, never to surrender, taught that death in the battlefield is the greatest glory he could achieve in his life. Spartans, the finest soldiers the world has ever known. Prepare for glory. Yeah, man. Wow. 300. 300, man. I remember. Wow. What a... Wow. 300, dude. 2007. Epic. Historical. Historical. Action film. Based on a comic by Frank Miller. Hmm. What's your history with this film? Uh, I remember going and seeing it in the cinema when it came out and being awed and being like properly riled up and i remember specifically um in the trailer they showed the long panning well the shot the long shot that moves along with leonidas as he goes on that big uh that one shot uh killing spree you know when he goes oh along, yeah and yeah, he keeps, yeah and he gets the spear out and he chops someone's leg off and it keeps on going and going, and going. Yeah, yeah yeah i remember seeing the trailer of that and there's just been a bit and then in the cinema thinking this is so awesome it's going on and on and on it's the coolest thing i've ever seen um and now uh i guess years have gone by we've been sat the market's been saturated with superhero movies and every kind of action thing man imaginable happening and now i guess that's just left 300 as a film with action scenes. Yeah, I have a very similar background. I remember absolutely loving 300. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen. But then 2007, how old were we? 17. 17. We were the total target demographic for that film. Yeah. And it doesn't hold up. 
<laughs> I it's so it's like a parody of a teenager film. I feel really bad because I I haven't rewatched it. Some films I just don't rewatch because I know I know I know it. I know yeah. I like that. Mm. Oh God! It was. I mean, it's easy to see how it's become such a ginormous meme, and like, like obviously, this is Sparta and stuff. Uh, it's so extreme. The nostril flare moments, the the supercharged, passionate, like the quotable moments, are so extreme and so ridiculous. Coming back to it now, you're like, oh good god, it's yeah. just it's just so much. But but at the same time, it's still enjoyable. Like I don't, and I don't know if it's an ironic and like in, enjoyable. Pro- uh, like, yes, I mean we were laughing at the film, yeah, more than once. I mean it's it's Zack Snyder directed and, and written and produced. I think oh no, just write and just write and direct. But he this he started working on this film before Dawn of the Dead, so mm. this is really this is his debut project. Wow, uh, he did Dawn of the Dead, then he did this a couple years later. But it's so Zack Snyder, and I sort of forgot how Zack Snyder it was. Because this is not dissimilar to Justice League or any of those other the rubbish ones that he did. It's all slow-mo, all the colours are bled out. It tells you how to feel with the music like too much as well. I yeah, think. and like, it's weird bam, because bam, bam. Watchmen didn't do that. Watchmen's full of colour. Mm. And the music, that is still a thing, but that was kind of in the comic anyway. This is like, uh, this is like crystallised Snyder. Yeah, and it's all the bad stuff of Snyder, and it's really—I've completely forgotten all of it. But it's like it's so it's more or less a shot for shot of the comic, right? Uh, near enough, I think they they added a B story, the mm. whole Senate stuff. Oh, was that not in the comic? That was not in the comic. Oh, okay. Uh, they added some of the weirder stuff, which we'll get onto. Okay, okay. Because yeah, it's interesting that you know, despite um. It just been taking shots from a comic. It's the, he's there's still managed to be so much Schneider in it. <laughs> it's just easy. Yeah, it. yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, well, it didn't need slow mo if you're adapting a comic. Well, I mean, the slow mo in the context of thinking of Three Hundred as a ridiculous, dumb movie, it does need the slow mo. Sure, yeah, yes, you yes. Take um, away yeah. from its dumb essence, which is why it is as iconic and famous as it is. Well, the thing is, any other. Uh, director maybe wouldn't have had quite so much and it would have been different it wouldn't have been quite as teenage fantasy as this film yeah which is probably again why this was so big because this was we were talking about this last night after we had the screening 300 really uh, caught the zeitgeist of where things were going Mm. I don't know if it was responsible for it but it certainly had an influence on your Spartacus blood and sand Rome and... Rome and then later on obviously Game of Thrones I think it all bleeds in it's a yeah it's a, there's line. a very visible path that it all took yeah um it's interesting what is also really interesting is I remember at the time and this is because of Sin City they did this another comic book film this is obviously before comic book films were everywhere to be comic book they decided to add lots of visual effects mm. fair enough interesting decision and like Sin City, it was full of chroma key. Yeah. It was oh, full yeah. of people standing in front of a blue screen with stuff added on. And the there's one shot... eyes and all sorts. There's one shot of like the Senate and there's just a really obvious Who Framed Roger Rabbit column. 
Mm. It just looks so fake, and it really took every my whole attention. Like that, that's fake. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. That's been drawn there, in. There was a lot of that. But my point with the chroma key is that at the time, I remember that being like, wow. Mm. Is this the future yeah, of cinema? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And uh, it's interesting. It's only a couple of years after like Revenge of the Sith that was all like that as well. Um, but watching it now. It looks re- to me. It looks really cheap. Yeah, because that's what cheap indie films do now. Well, it's like uh... just stick you in front of a green screen. We'll put on the background later, and it just doesn't feel real. Now it now it looks like yeah, like something like Kung Fury. Um... Yeah, yeah, that's a good example. Yeah, these kind of really cheap knockoff films. It has that vibe, and it's so weird because I I remember thinking it was cool. Okay, yeah, I guess it was so... Fr- we, like, at the time, we'd never seen anything like it. The only other thing we'd seen like it was Sin City, and obviously obviously they used that technology in Star Wars, but this was the first, oh, we've shaded it and coloured it weird. Yeah, true. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The whole backdrops and stuff being fake, yeah, that was, that's was that been done. But mm. yeah, hmm. It's still an interesting film. I did get the sense of the awkward, horrible... The, there's a lot of talk in the, in the notes and stuff online about the Iranophobia. And the weird, like, East versus West stuff. And, yeah, I see it more now. Yeah. Oh, they're not even human. They have served the dark will of Persian kings for 500 years. Eyes as dark as night. Teeth filed to fangs. Soulless. personal guard to King Xerxes himself, the Persian warrior elite, the deadliest fighting force in all of Asia, the immortals. Yeah. They're monsters. And this was obviously during War on Terror as well. Like, it all tied in together. So, like, so Xerxes, uh, so, um, just the plot, just a quick overview of the start, um, so I, I cannot pronounce the the, the the particular towns. I know it's Sparta, but there's a little there's a city or something called Jervish blah 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 that uh, Leonidas is <laughs> Leonidas is defending. But basically he get he gets three hundred Spartans to march out to face uh, Xerxes' armies. Xerxes has an army of three hundred thousand, all from different places, and Xerxes is marching on Sparta. Um, he's trying to like um make a deal with Leonidas to like make him warlord of Greece but um he has to he has to kneel to Xerxes and say that you know Greece is his sort of thing but but Leonidas isn't having it listen carefully Leonidas Xerxes conquers and controls everything he rests his eyes upon he leads an army so massive it shakes the ground with its march so vast it drinks the rivers dry all the god king Xerxes requires is this a simple offering of earth and water a token of Sparta's submission to the will of Xerxes submission now that's a bit of a problem see rumor has it the Athenians have already turned you down and if those philosophers and uh, boy lovers have found that kind of nerve, then... We must be diplomatic. And of course, Spartans have the reputation to consider. Choose your next words carefully, Leonidas. They may be your last as king. 
But anyway, at one point, um, we go into Xerxes' sex tent. Um, Xerxes is a, a man who's about nine feet tall. Yeah. He's covered in um, all sorts of jewellery and piercings. I feel and like they, they played up the god king aspects of Xerxes. Well, they've made him essentially into sort of an alien creature from Stargate. Yeah. Covered in piercings. It's, it's, 20 feet tall, you know, massive hands. He's like a cross between something from Stargate and Ogre from Tekken or someone from yeah, Mortal yeah. Kombat. But also, you know, covered in gold, effeminate makeup. Yeah. Like, it's very clearly done to be opposite the masculine... Yeah, there's something ...sweaty, confusing. oily men of, yeah, of Sparta. Yeah, 100%. He's, uh, and he's got the deepest voice that they, like... They had a volume button where, or they were twisting some dial around, and they thought they'd make his voice go deeper. And then someone fell over, <laughs> and it, and they left, and they forgot. And then the film came out, and they got, "Oh my god, we've turned him even lower because he speaks like divine power." Yeah. You have many slaves, Xerxes. A few warriors. It won't be long before they fear my spears more than your whips. It's not the lash they fear. It is my divine power. That I'm a generous god. I can make you rich beyond all measure. I will make a warlord of all Greece. You will carry my battle standard to the heart of Europa. Your Athenian rivals will kneel at your feet. If you will but kneel at mine. You are generous. As you are, divine, O king of kings. Such an offer only a madman would refuse. But yeah, like you were saying with the uh, with the Iranophobia stuff, he has a sex tent uh, where people are just having sex in it all the time, and they are all hideously disfigured. One of them's a goat, uh, just a human goat. A, yes, which has which is smoking something. I can't remember. He was playing a sort of harp thing. Was, I yeah. think. Yeah, it's first true. And not only that, we've got a giant mutant fat men with blades instead of yeah. arms. Um, the immortals who are they're hint, they're mentioned quite a lot through the film quite early on that they're the kind of elite unit of Xerxes or the Persian army, and they're stronger than man. They're immortal, and we revealed that they are orcs. They're literally orcs. They're literally just orcs or demons. Hideous orc demon things. Um, so like anyone from any other country that isn't heroic Greece, um, is a ugly, hideous, bad guy. Well, even, even within Greece, I mean, the, the Spartans and the, they weren't Athenians. Who were they? The, the other people they meet. I thought it was the Athenians, wasn't it? They mentioned the Athenians. No, they're the Arcadians. Okay. Ah, Arcadian. Yeah. Who are described by the Spartans as like brave amateurs. They're like... Mm. Butchers, sculptors, blacksmiths. Brave, but unskilled. Useless. Yeah, messy. Um, which is kind of true, I know, historically. So, yes. Yeah, so, the point is, Persia was invading Greece. The Spartans wanted to fight back, but they weren't allowed because of some mystic orc people in the mountain who had been paid off by an equally low-voiced man. Hmm. Yes, uh, yeah. yes. <laughs> Wish we laughed at because it, it was so out of the blue. Um, so yeah, the 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 spiritual, the priests cast 
decreed that it they couldn't go to war. Yeah. So Leonardo decides to just take his just gonna take a couple guys. Just take my bodyguards. Just gonna take my lads and just have a little walk. And it's your little plan to go to kind of force them into a narrow bit so the numbers don't mean anything, so he can just defend that that tiny narrow corridor. Which he doesn't do. He talks about it throughout the whole bloody film with his Queen Gorgo, played by Lena Headey, and various other people. Uh about that is going to force them into a make their numbers mean nothing. Our superior fighting skills and the terrain of Greece itself to destroy them. We will march north to the coast where I will make it sure. It is August, Leonidas. The full moon approaches. The sacred and ancient festival. Sparta wages no war at the time of the Carnia. Sparta will burn! Her men will die at arms and her women and children will be slaves or worse. Now, we will block the Persian coastal assault by rebuilding the Great Phocian Wall. And from there, we will funnel them into the mountain pass we call the Hot Gates. Now, in that narrow corridor, their numbers will count for nothing. Now, wave after wave of Persian attack will smash against Spartan shields. Xerxes' losses will be so great, his men so demoralized, he will have no choice but to abandon his campaign. And they do that for about two minutes, and then they just come out. And they pop out. They're like, yeah, we want to we we kill you out here. And then they just lose their advantage. They lose their whole advantage, and yet still kind of wipe out all the uh, evil demon Xerxes people. Yeah. It's a... Yeah, that I actually remember thinking that was a bit weird when I watched it the first time around. Like, hey, what are you doing? But so, I mean, the battle scenes are without parallel of the time. Oh, they're really cool. They're really cool. Really good. Really well choreographed. Um, there's a scene where Michael Fassbender and his kind of love interest have a like a fight. Uh, they fight alongside each other, and it's one big shot, and they're killing loads of people. I say love interest because they they share a few moments, and yes. and we were and you we were wondering if it was maybe a hint towards Spartans. Well, it's um, funny. There's there's a line early on. And this got a lot of lots of people picked up on this when it came out. Leonardus is talking about the Athenians, who have also said no to to Xerxes. Don't give them any credit. But they've also said no, and they're like, well, if those boy lovers can say no, then how can we say yes? Boy lovers. That's the Spartans. That's rich coming from you, Mr. Spartan. Yeah, take what takes one of no one's Spartan king. So they used to like shag each other before battle and do each other's makeup and hair and stuff. Yeah, so they used to do, but in history, they used to do each other's ma- hair and makeup before the battle because essentially they were dressing for their wake. Yeah. They were dressing for the funeral because if you go into battle, you're dead. If you come back, it's a bonus. Mm. That's how the Spartans believe. Um,. Yeah, so there wasn't any deliberate mention of that, but there was this very little hint yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's obviously there's nothing wrong with it, but Leonidas, you have to own it. Well, it's just a historical you know, fact that yeah. everyone knows. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. Don't shy away from it, Leonidas. Um, but yeah, anyway, and then the, you know, there's the hunchback who who betrays them, and that's kind of um, you're told that story in two sentences, kind of thing. Well, there's two scenes. So the first scene is. Hey, I, I want to make my mum and dad proud. 
even though I'm hideously disfigured and I can't lift my shield. Leonardo says no, and he goes off and betrays uh, him to Xerxes. And um, that's where we... That's, yeah, that's kind of it. And his role is to lead the Persians around the to flank the Spartans and cause the final battle, basically. Mm. But there's a bit of criticism about that as well. I've heard seen this. So we're told early on about the Spartan culture and how they would throw babies off a mountain if they weren't... If they're a bit weak or if they're disfigured. Yeah, if they were disfigured or whatever, which is pretty grim. Um, And so this guy got saved from that by a loving mother, he says. The whole thing about can you raise your shield and he can't, he struggles, you can't be in the army, you're a a mutant. Um, That, people have said, well, that was kind of like being apologists for their horrific child murdering genocidal ways like oh oh well yeah that makes sense <laughs> that's why you murder children yeah of course oh really it's like, yeah that's a good point actually re-watching it this might just be adult brain rather than teenage brain there was more of a there was more of a criticism of spartans a little bit in this watching go on so, when Leonardus leaves for the battle, he says goodbye to his wife, the queen. Um, and he can't say, I love you. Can't kiss her or anything. No, and there's a bit of narration about that, that he can't do it. And when he dies, he's like he starts just shouting out that he loves her, that she's his queen and all this stuff. Almost like, oh, that's a shame. He couldn't say it in real life. He couldn't say it to her, mm. but he could yell it to the sky before he died. And there was that, and there was a kind of element of sadness around that, and and of even yeah, even the 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 mutant hunchback man, like his regret, and you know, being told you shall live forever. And... Yeah, 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 and like, well, and the comparison between the Spartans and the Arcadians, the Arcadians seem pretty reasonable. Like, yeah, they're fine. They're, they're really logical. They they turned up to fight. They turned up to help. They're all scared. And they all wanted to go home. And there's a few thousand of them, which we don't see in any of the battles. No. They're there. Well, you do one bit. But just Faramir just says, they make a right mess of things. <laughs> yeah. But they do their part. And then, you know, they, then they run off for the last. And they're like, oh, God, this, we're, this is, we're going to die if we stay here. See you later. There's, a, there's actually a smug arrogance to the Spartans, which really annoys me. Yes, there totally is. Um, yes. They, so, the, these, so the Acadians are like, Come, like we we're we're all gonna die. We don't have to die. We've helped you a lot, but we're we're, we're gonna go. And then they rise up with some big speech. Fine, go, you insufficient worms. But spread the word about how we were better than you and great, and we and we went to our deaths and glory and honor and all of this and that. And you're like, well, these guys just want to live for a few more years. Well, this is the thing in history because this was a real battle, a real thing that happened. But in the real in in history, uh, it wasn't a bunch of goblins in a tower that said, "No, you can't go to war." There was a religious festival going on, and they couldn't fight during that festival. Yeah, that's why the army didn't go. So it wasn't people being cowardly or anything, or being paid off by the Persians, like it implied in the film. Um, it wasn't that. It's just that that just it wasn't in their culture. So Leonidas went, "All oh, right." I'll just send. I'll just go. Uh, Everyone stay quiet about it, but we'll just go. And then, blah 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 blah. Loads of stuff happened. There were thousands more people defending this pass. Spartans were just there, 
But the Spartans did sacrifice themselves at the end because they were there to cover the retreat of the rest of the army. Oh. Which is totally more sensible. Mm. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Like They just left some people behind to, to slow them down so that everyone can get away. That's not the implication in the film. The implication no. is, you cowards! Yeah. Mm. Huh. So it's an interesting take on it all. Um, well, the other thing, <laughs> I read this somewhere, uh, the historical inaccuracies are so weird. So the fight choreography, it's great, but it is based on Filipino martial arts. Weird. Which is why it's similar to like the hacker. It feels very like Australasian generally. Um, they changed loads of people. They made trolls and all sorts of things. Oh, despite the fact that we do see some very charming, charismatic Persians. They're all dismissed as monsters uh, and all that stuff. But they're actually very honourable and valiant themselves in history. Um, it says somewhere that uh, someone said that ancient Greeks watching 300 would be just as baffled <laughs> by all of it as a modern film critic was at the time. Imagine, well, I, I guess they'd get up to the fat guy with the saw hands and be like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Where does he live? The uh, the rhino, that was based on a African story about a bison or something. Like, it's oh, all, it's right. all kind of made up and nonsense. There's no gunpowder at the time. Um a few of the... There was some historical stuff. Some of the quotes were taken out of history or rephrased. But that's cool. Like uh, the, the the one in the... Sh- uh, we all fight in the shade and all that. And Yeah, and, you know, tonight we dine in hell. Tonight, which should have been Hades. I don't know why it was changed. Just mm. because the audience wouldn't... Uh, oh, the dumb, dumb audience! Because they're all 14 years old. Everyone's watched freaking... Uh, what, Hercules? Hercules, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone knows what Hades is. Yeah, dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. But, yes, I mean, there's not much plot to talk about, there's, but... There's not, like, I um, I totally see why it's become the big meme that it has become. I know like, why it's an iconic movie. Uh, it is really fun and really enjoyable, and it's as a package. But, um, yeah, as a, as a film, and now, after everything else has come out afterwards, it is... It doesn't hold up. It doesn't hold up. Is I think where we're getting at. Yeah. We watched Beastmaster immediately after 300, and that was 15 million times more interesting. Yeah. And I'm a, like you said, it might have been because we were watching Beastmaster for the first time, but we I'm were... sure that was a big part of it, but yeah. at the same time, a lot more happened yeah. in the same amount of time. Yeah. That yeah. seems to be... This is the second film that Snyder did, and it still suffers from being too long. <laughs> How long was it? Uh, two hours, I think. Oh. It, it, it could... didn't need to be. Yeah. It certainly couldn't have been any longer, though. Well, you, yeah. Oh, it could have been. It totally could have. Zack Snyder, he would have put in a music montage. Yeah, and a couple more monsters come into it. Um, what do you think, um, like, you know that fat guy, the giant fat guy with the saw hands? Mm. What do you think his day-to-day routine is? Um, he prepares the toast. Do you think he's a chef? Yeah, he does a chopped bread. Yeah. They hadn't invented chopped sliced bread. The best thing since a lump of bread, and he would chop the bread with one hand and with the other arm butter. Oh, he could have a butter knife. Yes, hand. butter knife Spread hand. Spread it along. I imagine him like trying to get a date uh, because you didn't see any hideously large monster women. Would he just be sat on his own alone and sad? Would they supply him with sex slaves, which would be horrible? You get chopped in half, sex slaves. In that tent, well, there was the woman. There was a woman in the sex tent. With no arms or legs. He did it! He did it! 
Oh. Look at all this backstory. Every frame has so much they, going they on. They should have gone into the bloody knife man and the woman with no legs and arms. Being I'm just more up. curious about the sudden, very deep voices. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if they ever do another prequel, they can have Goatee Man. It could have been. I haven't seen the prequel. Goatee Man. The, the, the prequel sucks. Uh, does it? Yeah, it's really bad. All right. Uh, but it does have um, the the Bond woman from... Blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Never mind. <laughs> let's move on. Yes, let's move on. Hall of Fame. No. No. All right. This one's a bit of a cheat, but... Even though it's an older review, it seems to have become more relevant now. But here we go. Here's how I felt about Dead Don't Die that's now available on Netflix. Adam's Film Reviews. The Dead Don't Die 2019. In this peaceful town, on these quiet streets, something terrifying, something horrifying is coming. Excuse me, we're closed. Get away from me! What the hell was it? A wild animal? This is really awful. Maybe the worst thing I've ever seen. What was it, wild animals? So what are you thinking? I'm thinking zombies. What? You know, the undead. Ghouls. You look gorgeous. Oh my. Are you in this together? Flesh-eating zombies. Don't joke, it's really, really creepy. Written and directed by Jim Jarmusch, The Dead Don't Die is, in theory, a zombie comedy starring an all-star cast, including the likes of Bill Murray, Adam Driver, Danny Glover, Steve Buscemi, and all the rest. A sort of modern inflection of classic Romero stories, The Dead Don't Die introduces us to the people of Centerville, a quaint one-diner town somewhere in Middle America. In particular, we focus on local sheriff Cliff Robertson and officer Ronnie Peterson as they deal with a complaint outside of town. The pair observe that it's past 8pm and it's still light. Something weird's going on, but, but no one knows exactly what, yet. One by one, we introduce the people around the town, living out their daily lives as snippets from the news gradually slip in. Something about polar fracking causing the earth to tip its axis. Something about people being attacked. Your standard Romero-esque mystery. Except, it isn't a mystery, is it? We know exactly what's going on, and no matter how many times we watch a long, flat scene of dialogue of people wondering what's going on with the sun, it isn't going to make us wonder anymore. Sure enough, after a torturously long time, we meet our first zombie. And would you, Adam and Eve, it, it's only Iggy Pop. Yeah, the real Iggy Pop, who we watch for approximately four minutes as he shambles into the nearest diner, tears apart the staff, and downs a pot of coffee. From here, the glacier truly starts to move. The town is soon overrun, with the dead returning to life and attacking the townsfolk. All we have are Cliff and Ronnie, patiently observed by a wild man in the woods, facing up against a horde of the undead. This film is boring. No, it's worse. It's face-punchingly ironic. The gag appears to be that we're watching a Romero film that just no one cares about, if they're in it or not. The reason for this... Well, it's obvious. Ronnie, the character I mean, admits that he's read the script and knows how it ends. What? Where the hell did that come from? Despite the faintly amusing atmosphere, there's never really a punchline. 
There's no resolution. The entire film revolves around a bunch of people doing things we've seen before in zombie movies, but in a sort of faintly weird and vague way. Characters we witness throughout the story are just dead now, I guess. Others just run off screen. It's not a huge issue, but why the hell bother casting so many huge names? Did you know Selena Gomez is in this film? She's a big name, right? Yeah, well, who cares? Bye bye! No more scenes with you! I hated The Dead Don't Die. I really seriously hated it. It goes nowhere, it does nothing, and at the end of the day, it just appeared to be one long, dull music video for the theme by Sturgill Simpson. Sure enough, also titled The Dead Don't Die. Ah, and that was the show. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Yes, indeed. We watched a rubbish film, but there's loads of cool stuff out there. We're going to be watching way more fantasy films coming up as well. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of fantasy. Um, we expect more B-movies from us this year. Um, yeah, and lots of cool stuff. Yes. Quick word to say on um, the state of Marvel. Mm-hmm. As those listening to the review will know, Black Widow is a big dull pile of balls. Oh, no. I think I'm done. You were done ages ago. I was done ages ago, but this was the last hurrah. I'm like, is this going to be the future now? Well, they've got the new fate. They're going to have all new things to, to get into They're going to go into space now, isn't it? That's but, the thing. Um, the thing is, there's no more Iron Man. There's no more Cap. Um They've only got their big boys, Fantastic Four and X-Men, to rescue it now, I reckon. And they're kind of like, um, thus far, it's kind of proven that people find X-Men and Fantastic Four significantly less likable than the Avengers. Yeah, and also, I mean, there's four, Love and Thunder. I am excited for that because it's four, not because it's Marvel. But the CGI, man. I thought I actually have a feeling when I saw the trailer for the first time, I was a bit like, eh, that was a bit ropey. It's rubbish. Really? And that's a worry. Why are they not able to be That's strange because um the Loki T V series, the effects are incredible. Are they? They're really good. So all the budget's gone to Loki. <laughs> well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Oh man. Oh what a weird, weird world. Also watch Bad Batch, it's cool. Anyway. Yes. Thanks so much for listening. If you do like what you hear, do uh, drop us a follow at Hollowdale Media on Instagram and Twitter. And if you really like what you hear, do consider following us on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Hollowdale Media. Yeah, do that. Uh, anything else? No, that's that's everything. That's all right, that's I need stuff. to go outside because I'm hot. Yeah, hot there, hot there. Goodbye, all. Goodbye.